Welcome to the KICC Malawi podcast. We pray that you'll be encouraged with the message today. Yesterday was a very special day for me. It was my birthday. Thank you for making my birthday awesome. Um, it really was an, an awesome um, day. I, I, I woke up and I just decided, let me look back at what God has done in my life. And I realized God is faithful. And then God is faithful. And I want to share from that angle uh, this morning that you know, if you're looking for a title, it's Faithful and Loving God. Amen. Faithful and Loving God. Amen. That's, that's who is being in my life. And I want to share with you from that, uh, from, from part of my story. Because even when I gave up on God, He didn't give up on me. Amen. He, he, he just did it. There was a time I wanted to kill myself. And uh, God did this thing and I thought, ah, you know what, I'm stuck with this God. So God is, is faithful. Amen. Yes. I've seen the goodness and the love of God and the faithfulness of God in my life. I have no complaints. God remains faithful. Now here's the thing. In a very, I think, very insightful poem, Kiyomalewezi, wrote a poem that has stuck with me up to this day. It's called Hurt People. And he makes a statement. He says, no, the poem is called People. And in there he makes a statement. He says, hurt people hurt people. Okay? People who are hurt, they hurt others too. Because people only give what they know. And, and when you have been hurt by somebody, Especially when it is repeated, it's difficult to trust again. Amen. Amen. It's difficult to trust again. I'll not give you too many details about my life, but I'm, I'm telling my life story right now from the scripture. It's, it's, it's difficult to trust anybody again. It's difficult to trust anyone's, anyone else again. It's difficult to trust God. In spite of the track record that God has in our lives, it becomes difficult to trust God because of what other people have done in our lives. The hurt that they have brought in our lives. But because of the wounds that we have from, from, from the people who hurt us, we wrongly conclude that people and God cannot be trusted. All that comes from the pain of being hurt. You may have been ditched by a boyfriend, or ditched by a girlfriend, or ditched or betrayed by a very close friend. You may have been um, brought down by colleagues at work. You, you may have been uh, skimmed out against by your neighbors, people that you had, you, had, you had opened up your life to. And so because of that, anybody else who comes to you, you have this defense mechanism that says, I'm going to take you through the paces before you earn my trust. That's what we do. And even when trust, trust is a slow journey. Did you know that? Trust is a slow journey. You trust a little bit, they pass. You trust a little bit more, they pass that one. You trust a little bit more, they fail, you hold back. That's what we do in life. And so because we conclude that people and, and 
God cannot be trusted. What we do really is that we trade. We don't love, we trade. If you do X, I will do Y. That's trading. Okay? If you give me a scratch card worth 5,000, I'll give you the 5,000 part for that scratch card for my phone. If you do X, I'll do Y. It becomes a trade. It's not love. Because love loves because. Full stop. Just because. So today I want us to look at a text in Isaiah 43 from verse 1 to 7. Isaiah 43, verse 1 to 7, which we are going to read. I'm, I'm reading from the New King James Version. A brother joking, I say, this is the KICC version. Because it looks like every preacher who comes up is reading in a New King James Version. But the Bible says, but now, thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not. For I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burnt. Nor shall this flame scorch you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I gave Egypt for your ransom, Ethiopia and Seba in your place. Since you are precious in my sight, you have been honored, and I have loved you. Therefore, I will give men for you, and people for your life. Fear not, for I am with you. I will bring your descendants from the east, and gather, and, and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not keep them back. Bring my sons from afar, and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I have created for my glory, I have formed him. Yes, I have made him. Amen. Amen. Now, the very beginning of the chapter demands that we know the context of this part of scripture. Because the first phrase is, but now. Okay, so what has been happening for God to say, but now? What has been happening, when you look at chapter 42 from verse 18 onwards, God is explaining that Israel, he makes these promises in chapter 43, because Israel had become blind and deaf to his instruction. The instruction that the Lord would give to Israel, they were blind and deaf to it. They would hear and not hear. They would see but not, they would look but not see. You, you understand what that is like? Uh, especially in, in, in Malawi, I think almost all the cultures, most of them are not very straightforward. In, in most cultures in Malawi, they, they, they will use idioms and they will use all sorts of proverbs to tell you something that is right there in front of your face. They can actually insult you without you realizing it. They can. They will, they will say a story and they will say, that's it, that's what I'm going to say. And before you realize it, ah, that's what this person was saying. Because you have to decode what they are saying. It drives me nuts when I'm working with people. Just tell me what you mean. But no, they, they go this way and that way and that. So that's what the Israelites have become. God would give them his instruction. They would hear, but they would, they would listen, but they would not hear. 
They would look, but they would not see. I remember recently there was a public event and one of the speakers uh, quoted a verse from scripture and the, the application he made, I realized that nothing to do with the scripture. The application he made was because of some issues that he was dealing with. But how is, was he going to get the message across to the people uh, without being direct? So he used the scripture. People do these things. And, and in the audience, you could tell those who had gotten the message and those who had missed it. You could tell. So this is what the children of Israel had, 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 um, had become. So the result was that because they didn't listen to the instruction of, of God, they, they could not see the things God was telling them. They became vulnerable to all sorts of attacks from the enemy. That's Isaiah 42, verse 18, all the way to 25. Verse 22, the Bible says that, but this is a people, that's Isaiah 43, this is a people robbed and plundered. You know, to be robbed is bad enough, but when the robbers plunder you, you're in trouble. You've got a, a, a huge rebuilding projects to do after this. They just didn't rob them, they plundered. To plunder is basically, you know, there was a time um, some, some family friends were attacked by, by armed robbers. These guys, they even ate the food that was in the refrigerator. That's plundering. Like it's not bad enough, you're, you're, stealing, you're taking stuff from my home. But now you have to plunder and if you leave me with the things that you know, at least leave me with the food, please. He says, all of them are snared in holes. They have been trapped in holes. I don't know about you, but if you have ever fallen into a hole that was bigger than you or taller than you, it can be hard to get out. So he says, they, they, are, they are snared in holes and they are hidden in prison houses. Now this was very interesting. Prison houses. What is a prison house? It's like you're in a home. It looks like you're in a home, but really you are under bondage. You are under some kind of restriction. He says, they are for prey and no one delivers. There's no one to say, bring out my people. These are mine. You can't, you, you can't have them. When he says that they are prey, it gives me the picture that there is a predator somewhere who wants this prey. So that's, that's a very helpless picture. And he says, for plunder, and no one says, restore. You see, when you are under bondage, when you are under, when, when, you are, when, when you are under somebody's oppressive rule, you can't get yourself out of there. You need somebody with more authority, somebody with more power to say, take my people out. Does it ring a bell? When God says to Pharaoh, let my people go, it needed somebody more powerful than Pharaoh to let the children of Israel out of there. And let me say here, maybe jumping the gun, but when you are bound in sin, you need somebody who is stronger than sin to get you out of there. Amen. You can't get yourself out there, so stop lying to yourself. You need the Lord and the Lord God to pronounce, declare that I want that one out. Amen. In verse 24, the Bible says that who gave Jacob for plunder and Israel to the robbers? That's the question God is asking. He against whom we have sinned, 
God literally they gave them over and said, okay, you don't want to do, you don't want to live life by my terms. You don't want to listen to my word. You don't want to live your life by my principles. You know what? I'm giving you up over. The protection that I used to give above upon you, I'm leaving it. I'm taking it with me. Right. And it takes that prote protection and the enemy comes in and just plunders them. And here's the tragedy. The last part of this 25 it says that, yet he did not know, and it burned him, yet he did not take to heart. Let, let me start, let me just read the whole verse. Therefore, he has poured on him the fury of his anger. That's God pouring upon Israel the fury of his anger. And the strength of battle. It has set him on fire all round, yet he did not know. And it burned him, yet he did not take it to heart. So here, here is the seriousness of the situation. You are on fire. You are burning, and yet you don't know. How bad is that? Have you seen people who are living a certain type of life that is really bringing them uh, destruction, a certain kind of life that is leading them towards destruction, towards helplessness, and you're talking to them about it, and they don't see it. They think, I'm okay. Take your scriptures elsewhere. I'm good here. But you can actually see with your eyes that this is leading them to destruction. And, 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 and that, that is a very sorry state of being. When you go to the book of Matthew, I think it's chapter, chapter 9, when he talks about Jesus Christ, when he, he looks upon the, the multitudes and he realizes hmm, they are sheep, like people, like sheep that is lost without a shepherd because they have been harassed. Now, to be harassed is not just to be in trouble. To be harassed, harassment usually takes, it will happen time and time and time again. It's not just what that one instance, most of the time. So, when we come to the main text today in Isaiah 43, the Lord has had mercy upon the children of Israel. Um, Brother Martin, could I have somebody check? I think something is, is burning back there. Somebody check that. There's a smell. Okay, let's continue. So when we come to our main text today, the Lord has had mercy on the Israelites. And we need to look at several things that this text is, is, is showing us. It says, but now, thus says the Lord, who created you, O Jacob. So the deliverer of Israel comes in. Okay? Forget this. We're good. The, the building was not burned. <laughs> but the deliverer, the deliverer of Israel, we're good. The deliverer of Israel comes in and he says, Now I've come to deliver you. Somebody powerful, somebody with authority comes in and he says, But now, even though you were in this situation, even though you are burning and you don't see it, I've come to rescue you. And it says that, thus says the Lord. So point number one, who is the Lord? We need to answer this question. Who is the Lord? Who is this that invades their life? When he says, I'm the Lord, who is this Lord? Who is this the Lord that who is this Lord that makes demands of them as the children of Israel? Because when you are under oppression, God seems like he's far away. When you are bound by, by, by the attacks of this of Satan and he keeps coming 
them to sit down. I mean, it's very easy for you to come to a point where you say, where is God? Has he left me? I'm alone. Will I ever get help? Will things ever be better? And God has to remind us sometimes that he is still the Lord. Amen. Amen. So he comes and he begins to declare. He says, I am the Lord and this is what I'm saying. And he begins to speak to the oppression, to the sin that won't let go. Like Pharaoh. Remember Pharaoh? In Exodus chapter 5, when Moses and Aaron appeared before Pharaoh and they tell him that the Lord says you need to let his people go. What did Pharaoh say? Who is the Lord? I don't know this one. In fact, it was a long way of saying, what you are asking me to do, go tell that Lord that because I don't know him, forget the whole thing. As a result, actually, he begins to oppress the Israelites even more. Because he does not want them to see any other authority, any other power, oppressive or not. He does not want them to see God that is much more powerful. And so God gets an RSVP from Pharaoh and says, okay, fine, we're going to war now. And God begins to show himself mighty in the kingdom of Egypt. Because he needed Pharaoh to see which God it was he was, he was dealing with. This is the Lord who is wooing the children of Israel. So, a couple of things. We find that in, 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 in verse 1, he says, But now, thus says the Lord, who created you? He says, I am the one who created you, Israel. I am the one who took Abraham from his place, from his father's land, and I told him to go to this place. And then there was Isaac, and then there was Jacob, and then there were the twelve, and, and all that. He, he says, I created you to be a nation that you are today. I'm the one who's calling you. In Psalm 139, I just want us to remember verse 14. The Bible says that David had realized that he was really created by God. And he says, I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. Says that 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 God created me, that my soul knows very well. You can know something, but to know something very well, that's another level. That's another level. Amen. People who know us very well tolerate a lot of things that somebody who doesn't know you very well would not tolerate. I've got people like that. A very close friend, very close friend, came home yesterday, hooted at the gate, and when somebody went there, they just left, they left me a birthday cake and a card, and, and they drove off, and I was like, what, he was outside? And he didn't come in, he just left like that? But you know, we've been together for a long time. <laughs> uh, and when they left, later on when they got home, they said, I, I didn't want to come inside. I had other things to do. But you know, we've been together for a long time. We can tolerate such things. If I came to you, to your home, where you live, and they said, I've just come to say hi, and then I reversed my car and the gate, and I go, you're going to go, hey, this pastors. 
hunting for background pastors of the day are too busy for their flock. But when we've been together for a while, when you relate with somebody for a while, you get away with a lot of things. You know very well that God is the one who created you. He is my God. Amen. And we're going somewhere with this. The Lord says, but now, that says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel. Let me say something here. Today, when you go in front of the mirror, today, when you go in front of the mirror, understand this, the Lord did not make a mistake. Who you are looking at is not a mistake. It's not an accident. You see, before you were even born, he knew you. And while you were in your mother's womb, he knew why he, was crea he had created you. How he had formed you, the intricacies of being, being birthed into, into a person that is going to fulfill the purpose of God. Ephesians 2.11. You, you begin to realize that God is awesome. You begin to realize that God has got a plan for you. You begin to realize that you are not a mistake. You are not an accident. I don't care whether you were born out of wedlock or whatever, but as long as you were born, God has a purpose for you. Yeah. I remember seeing a, a picture back in the day of a little kid who was looking at the floor and he says, I know I'm somebody because God don't make no junk. <laughs> remember that. God don't make no junk. Amen. And it's very important these days of Instagram and, and other social media platforms where where the image that is portrayed to be perfect is not real. Amen. Be comfortable with yourself. Amen. Be comfortable with yourself. Who you are, be comfortable with yourself. You're a stick, be comfortable with being a stick. God didn't <laughs> If you're somebody who was like me, who was pretty hefty when I was younger, be comfortable with that. God, God is not making a mistake. He owns you. And later on we'll see that God is not ashamed to call you his God. Amen. Oh, I just don't think that, you know, uh, this is, it, it doesn't look right. You, you are okay. Amen. You're okay. Be comfortable with that. Oh, I'm too tall. You are okay. It's all in God's design. God makes some of us tall, some of us short, some of us big, some of us small. It's okay. He's got, got a use for that. I, I knew a friend. I, we're still friends. It's just that we haven't talked for quite a while. He's in Uganda. He is this short man. He, he stands with me and he's this short. And he's got such a small voice. <laughs> and he told the story of how people, his friends, you know, they're growing tall and they're growing big and they would, they would mock him about his size. But you know, if there is a children's ministry in Kampala, this guy hates it. And kids love them. So he would tell us, he said, you know, I've become comfortable with being small and short. Because if I was huge, maybe I would, I would, I would scare those kids out of, out of church. But because he is mostly like them, Amen. He, 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 he connects with the kids Amen. in a way that you and I cannot. Amen. God don't make no junk. Amen. 
And he says that, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I've called you by name. You are mine. Amen. And he's saying this to a people who are oppressed. He's saying this to a people who are being plundered. He's saying this to a people who are robbed and plundered. He says, you are mine. And, you know, to, to, to redeem is to gain repossession of something in exchange of payment. Something is yours, but things happen and you've got to have what, you, what is all yours back. So what God does is because of the sin of Adam and Eve, they're lost. And God hatches this plan of redeeming mankind to himself. And he redeems us with the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Amen. In the Old Testament, we find God redeeming the children of Israel time and time and time again. Even though they were faithless, but he was faithful. He would always go back to them. Amen. Remember the story of Hosea being told to go and marry was just to illustrate how God's mercy, how God will still go after unfaithful Israel. He says, I have redeemed you. God gave up a lot to, to bring them back. We'll see that only in the other verses. But in verse 3, you, you see that God says that, For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I gave Egypt for your ransom. Now, many times we, we go big on how evil Egypt was. And they came out of Egypt. And, and cucumbers in Egypt are bad and things like that. But you know, the Egyptians are also God's people. In fact, one of the fastest growing churches besides Iran is in Egypt. God is sending people in Egypt. So God says, I exchanged Egypt for you. You needed to come out. That's redemption. In 1 Peter chapter 1, let's turn there. 1 Peter chapter 1. Verse 18 and 19. First Peter chapter 1, verse 18 and 19. The Bible tells us, knowing, okay, we'll take this thing with it. Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things. You are not redeemed. So Peter said, knowing that you were redeemed with corrupt, you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your endless conduct received by tradition from your fathers. But with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. You see that? We belong to God. Because he redeemed us, he brought us back, he brought us back. And by the way, it's a painful thing to pay for what was yours in the first place. But it had to be done. I remember, I think it was here that I told the story of one of my favorite cartoons when I was growing up, The Big Panther. He happened to be driving and he had a flat tire. And so he stops on the side of the road, puts out his hazard plates, we call them triangle, and then he takes off the tire and he puts it on the side. But this is uphill, okay? And so, typically, as it happened with Big Panther, he was more or less like our Pewani today. Things just never went right for Big Panther most of the times. But so this tire begins to roll. And it's one of these vintage tires, the ones which are painted white on the outside. And that, that if you don't know those tires, you, 
you are young. Okay? But there are these tires which are white on the outside, and it begins to roll, and he sees it, and he runs after the tire, and you know, the tire takes him through all sorts of things. But this tire is rolling, and it settles in a tire shop next to tires that are that color. And so he walks into that shop, he goes to get his tire, and the shopkeeper comes and says, no, 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 you're stealing, you need to pay for this. And he paid for his tire. By the time he got to his, to, back to his car, it had been blocking traffic, and they tore it away. So he had another problem. But that's the pain of redemption. When God was redeeming us, it was not something that was easy. It, it was painful. Because you know, this is mine. I shouldn't be paying for it, but I want it back. Amen. And sometimes you can you can you can pay huge amounts of money. Amen. I used to own a website, and I, I I let it go at some point. And a few days ago, I looked at it. I think I bought it for twelve dollars. I'll pay like twelve to fifteen dollars per year. Now, if I want that website back, I have to pay four hundred and thirty-eight dollars. It was mine, but if I want it back, I have to raise $438. So God knows these are mine. I will do whatever to bring them back, even if it means plundering Egypt. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18. The Bible tells us to flee sexual immorality. Everything that a man does is outside the body. But he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Whom you have from God and you are not your own. For he bought you with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You belong to God. He bought you. You are His. So because you are His, He says, the way you live should glorify Him. Because your life is really not your own. According to that scripture. Which is why there are places you should not go. There are some people you should not associate with. Because you belong to God. He bought you. You are not cheap. <laughs> you are not cheap. God bought you a very expensive price. So, who is the Lord to you? All this we are looking at, who is the Lord? Who is the Lord to you? Do you recognize that he calls the shots in your life? Do you recognize that it is God who saved you? God has been merciful to you and I. And God wants us to glorify him. It brings him pleasure and it is good for us when we live according to the instruction of the word of God. When we don't just listen, but we hear what he's saying. When we just don't look at what he's doing, but we see what he's doing. Amen? Amen. May God open our eyes to understand him, to understand his word, to understand his will. Amen. 
Hallelujah. When we recognize him as Lord in our lives, that is the beginning point for a lot of things to unravel in your life. Point number two. What does he promise? Now that we, we, we have to answer the question of who is the Lord, the question, question number two is that what does he promise? There's two. There are several things that God promises the children of Israel, the ones who are in bondage, the ones who are being plundered, the ones who are being burnt without it being known. He says, when you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you or overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burnt, nor the flame scorch you. So a couple of things that he promised, which I want us to go into. Number one, he says, he promises them his presence. Okay? He promises them his, his presence. Even though they are in this place, which is bad, even though they are in this place where they are struggling, even though they are in this place where they are full of sin, they are bound by sin, he says, okay, I'll promise you that I'll be with you. That that's just blows my mind. Why should a holy God want to be with a sinful people? But that's what he does. He says, first of all, it's about the waters. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. It's like going through the Red Sea in Exodus chapter 14. They had a reference that God would actually do these things. Amen. They had passed, they had heard of stories of how he took them, he took their forefathers through the sea when he was, he was rescuing them from the Egyptians. And so he, he makes this promise. He says, when you pass through the waters, I, I will be with you. This can be literally waters or it can be figurative. Either which way God had done it before. Amen. Hallelujah. God had done it before. And I want you to know that, you know, there are times when you are going through stuff in life and it feels like God has left you. God has not left you. Maybe you would have had a lot more than what you're getting, but some of it God has held back. You don't know. Some of these things we realize later on. How much God had just done. And then he says, and when you pass through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. They shall not sweep you away. There's a song we'd like to sing here. It's become one of the favorites in KICC. If the Lord had not been on our side, the enemy would have swept us away. Have you ever been in a situation where you feel like, I feel like I'm powerless, I'm out of control, and I'll just be swept away. I can't even resist the onslaught of the enemy. I think that's Psalm 124, where that song is taken from. Since the enemy was so angry, he, he wanted to eat us alive. But God promises, he says that, and when you go through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. Like going through, crossing the, the Jordan River in jo Joshua chapter 3. The Jordan River was flooded at that time. Alright? So you're just not talking about any other river where you say, ah, oh, uh, go downstream and see if there's a place where we can ford across and go upstream. It was a flooded river. Now a flooded river is a flooded river. And God tells Joshua, says, tomorrow, get the people ready, tomorrow you're going to cross over. And as soon as the Levites' feet touch the river, the waters shall stand. And he tells us that the waters 
uh, were piled up, I think close to like 20, 21 kilometers upstream. Because his people, the ones that he had redeemed, the ones he had made, they had to pass on dry ground. So they remember very well, God had done this before. Now he's making this promise again. Now even though the rivers are come against us, wanting to sweep us away, God who is going to be with us. Then he also promises that nor shall the flame scorch you. Now you and I have got the hindsight of scripture, but they had not heard at this point. The, the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had not happened at this point. When the book of Isaiah, not Daniel. Okay? So this one, they didn't have a, a reference point, unless I've, I've, I've missed out some place where there was fire and he rescued them. The only fire I can think of it was the pillar of fire that would uh, guard them at night, fighting the Egyptians but protecting them. So probably they had an idea. But the way it is framed here says, No shall the flame scorch you. Like you are in the, in, you know how we, some of these phrases we use, when you say, it was in the heat of the moment. Hello? <laughs> and, and God says, even there, that flame will not scorch you. Amen. And we know from the book of, of, of Daniel, chapter 3, verse 25, that the, the enemies of the children of Israel, those three Hebrew teenagers, they come and they say, look, I see four men loose. Because they have thrown in three. But he sees four men loose. Walking amidst the fire. I, I mean, it's bad enough that it's the fire. But you're walking in it? It's a miracle already. Because people wonder, how come you're still living your life like everything is normal? Walking in the fire is not trying to get out of the fire. It is walking in the fire. Quite ironic that they were cheering in the fire because it was the fourth one. <laughs> but you know, God can uphold you, God can sustain you even when things are so hot and you leave people scratching their heads saying, how come with what you are going through you are able to do this? You are able to be this? How come? Oh, because there's a fourth one. And the fourth one is like the Son of God. Amen. He promised his presence and he was not going to go back on his promise. Amen. God, when he promises you, there is no shadow of turning with God. Amen. He doesn't say, uh, remember promise number two. Uh, scratch that one from the contract. Amen. No, 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 that's not God. What he says, will stand. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. What he says, will stand. So here's a bit of application. His presence is everything. Amen. The presence of God in your life is everything. Amen. He promised his presence to the children of Israel. Thank God for Moses who picked it up. And he said in chapter 33, he says, Lord, you are telling us that we should go now into the, the promised land. Uh, but if you're not going to come with us, then we'll rather stay here. We would rather stay in the desert with God than go into the promised land without God. We would rather stay in the fire with the fourth one than get out of where there's no fire without the fourth one. We would rather be in the waters which might overwhelm us with God 
than to be where there is no overwhelming waters without God. Jesus' other name is Emmanuel. Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. He tells him that you shall give him the name Jesus. But then also, at the very end of Matthew 21, almost like a, an afterthought, but it wasn't, he said that, but he, he shall be called Emmanuel, which, which means God with us. A song we used to sing back in the day. He walked where I walk. God with us, so close to us. God with us, Emmanuel. Look it up, it was done by John Moyne. Very encouraging song. So, the name Emmanuel, God with us. If this God is one you recognize to have created you, to have redeemed you, if this is the same God who says he is with us, then you have a very unfair advantage over everybody else. His promise he promised that he would not leave us as orphans. And he left us his Holy Spirit to guide us, to give us counsel, to strengthen us when things are hard. He promised that he would be with us always, even to the very end of the age. Amen. Amen. So God is good. He promises that he's going to be with us at all times. This is the Lord who was speaking to the children of Israel. Now, here's the thing. What God promises comes to pass. God is faithful. Amen? Amen. God is faithful. When he says he'll be with you, he will be with you. When he says the waters will not overwhelm you, they will not overwhelm you. Only keep your ears open to his instruction and obey. Hello? There's a condition. There's a condition. You have to do it his way. And it's going to be done. God is faithful. 31 years ago, when I first read this scripture and God started speaking to me about receiving Christ, this, this, this verses that we read today, this one seven, was a promise that I held, I held God up to. I said, God, if I receive Jesus Christ and you leave me at some point, that's where the deal ends. But I can tell you, standing here, then one year says that God had never left me. He'd never forsaken me. Oh, there were times it felt like he did. There were times I felt alone. When you're lying down on a bed and the doctor is saying, How did you get here? Oh, I drove here, doctor says impossible. With the vitals that we're seeing, you shouldn't have made it here. Uh, doctors are very diplomatic. He was saying you should have died. Just in case you missed it. God is very faithful. Amen. Amen. We have gone through things which make me look back and say, how did we make it? God. The time we were driving to Zomba, where we were living, we had left you know, we were driving to Zomba that time. And this trip was full of incidents, near misses. We couldn't 
put, a, put our minds together and say, what is going on? Imagine you are along the, uh, the, 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 the winding roads of, of Delta. You're going towards the shell. And you are just driving into this sharp bend. And a 30 ton truck is overtaking a bus and you're coming from this side. I can't remember what we shouted, everybody shouted, but somehow that truck missed us. I remember the faithfulness of God. Amen. Amen. There are so many things God has, has made us go through. I'm sure you have got experiences. There are times when you feel like God is not there. There are times you feel like, ah, oh, he has left me. But the truth of the matter is, the one who promised that he will never leave you, nor forsake you, will never leave you, and he will never forsake you. Amen. He is with you to the very end. Amen? Amen. So, there, there are things we see in scripture that God promised, and they came to pass. Except this one of the fire, that hadn't come to pass then. It came to pass with, uh, with, with, with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But you know what? When we read stories like this, you begin to realize that when God spoke about having the, the, the seed of the woman overcoming the, 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 the serpent, and then all about Jesus Christ happens, you realize what God promises comes to pass. And when Jesus says, you will not see any stone upon this temple. So in 70 AD, that temple was brought down to the ground. His word comes to pass. And he has said that he has gone to a place where he's going to make room for you and me. That is going to come to pass. Because he has a track record of being faithful. He's not about to lie beginning now. Let God be true and let every man lie. When as the that God is alive, it should begin with you. But as far as we see scripture, as far as we see history, as far as we see God doing things in your life, the promises of God are yes and amen. Hallelujah. Some of the things may not come true, may not come to pass rather, in your lifetime. But they will come to pass. Because Abraham never lived to see the day of us in Malawi believing in Christ. Amen. But he got the promise. Amen. And he believed God. Amen. And it's true. So one day when we are all into glory and Abraham is wondering, which part of the promise do you fit in? You will explain to him that, oh, it was after you came. After you had gone, we came along way, way, way later. Some of the things we are doing here the things that we believe in God for, we may never see. Amen. But they will happen. Amen. 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 As far as we know the way of God, which is true, which is sure, it will happen. Amen. So God is faithful. Let's establish that. God is faithful. There is no shadow of turning with God. God doesn't go back on his word. We can trust his word. The one who says he, he can create a nation in a day, and he did it in 1948. Is it 48? Yeah. A whole nation, just like that. Boom. We call it Israel. In a day. God can do that. God can change an economy of a, of a, of a whole country in a day. Remember the story of those lepers? They said, you know what? 
The city is under siege. We are here, we are outcasts. There are enemies over there. The enemies have got food. So let's just go to the enemies and ask for help. Because if we stay here, we die. If we go into our city where our people are, they rejected us, they will kill us this time. If we go to the enemy, they might have mercy on us and give us some food, or they may kill us. So whichever way we go, we are going to die. So they decide to go to the enemy, and as they are going to the enemy, God causes their footsteps to sound like an army, and the enemy runs away. And the lepers have all this food to themselves. If, if it was me, I would have like, this is labor time. Because I'm going to keep all this food in the lepers' camp. And tell the people, we've got the food, but you can't come. We are lepers. You get lepers, then you come to us. No, 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 no. That's not what they did. They go, they say, they say no, 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 wait, wait, wait. God has blessed us. What's wrong with us? Let's go back to our people and tell them it's okay now. And just like that, within a day, the economy of a place, of a, of a city was changed. Just like that. Just like that. In the economy of God, things happen amazingly. I tell you. In the, in, 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 in the kingdom of God, it surpasses, it supersedes everything else that we have established on earth. So trust God. Amen. Amen. Trust God. When he tells Joseph, you, you are going to be a ruler, it didn't look that way when he was in Potiphar's house and he got falsely accused. It didn't look that way when he was in prison. And sometimes, although we like God to be far with our enemies, sometimes God leaves those enemies just to keep us on our feet. Because we never hear the conclusion of Mrs. Potiphar's case, do we? Even when, when, when Joseph was, 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 a, was a prime minister. That story never reached its conclusion. Ah, it doesn't matter. God fulfilled what he said with so some people will be saying, you know, they are being used of God today, but what do I know of the history of this person? Uh, I'll, I'll take you the pinch of salt. God has made you bad minister now. You, you serve him now. Amen. Amen. Don't allow the skeletons of the past to hold you back from trusting God's word. The ones who still treat you like the past, let them be there. Let them be there. You, the word of God for the day. He is faithful. Amen. He is faithful. Amen. He is faithful. Amen. So he promised his presence. Why did he do that? Because why did he promise his presence? Why is God doing all these things? Why is God putting his name on the line to say, I will do this, I will do this, I will do this, I will do this. Some of them, they had, they had seen him do. Some of these, they had not seen him do. So God puts his, his name on the line. Why did he do this? Number one, because the children of Israel were precious in the sight of God. Amen. Verse four, he says, now we have to take it from the street for you to connect really well. He says, I gave Egypt for your ransom, Ethiopia and Seba in your place, since you were precious in my sight. Hallelujah. If you will not agree with anything about the nation of Israel right now, just, just, let's just agree on this one thing. God favors them. That one you have to agree. 
just from the point of history, you have to agree, God favors the Israelites. It's smaller than Malawi and is the biggest citrus fruit producer and exporter in Europe, to Europe. Their water bodies are not exactly the best. Lake Malawi is far better in terms of freshness. But the, the amount of things they are able to do with their legs puts us to shame, doesn't it? It does. But these are people God declares they are the apple of my eye. <laughs> the apple of my eye is somebody you don't, you don't keep your eyes off. You're always thinking about them. You love them so much, you, you are almost obsessed with them. I was obsessed at one point with the love of my life. Had a small Bible and there was a picture of her in there. That's the apple of my eye. It's like I, I keep this one in front of me at all times. He says, since you are precious in my sight, you have been honored. He honors them. And then he says, and I have loved you. He loves them. Therefore, I will give men for he, he does all these things out of his love. In the seven, we are told, everyone who is called by my name. Now, most of us don't appreciate this called by my name thing. Uh, there's a trend these days where people, especially ladies, they... They want to maintain their married name alongside the married name. Okay? It's, it's, it's a trend. It's a trend. So let me give an example. Naomi Manda Majo. Okay? It's a trend. It's but if you understand covenant, the nature of a covenant, that you take up each other's names to confirm the covenant, it makes a whole difference. She is Naomi Manjoro. I basically pledged to her father. That's from now on, I'm responsible for this woman. So she was going to be called by my name. Amen. Hers was the loudest name. <laughs> <laughs>
p.m. So I had to make sure that wherever we go, by 8.30 p.m., I brought her back. Fast forward some years later, when there were decisions to be made, say, for example, they wanted my wife to do something, my father-in-law would ask me about things he wanted to do with his daughter. Why? Because she's no longer called by his name. Amen. She's now called by my name. Amen. I'm the one responsible. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Amen. <laughs> but the point is, God is willing to put his name on the line for the sake of Israel. And these Israelites have been rebellious. They have, they have been disobedient and, and God says because I love you I will still pursue you I will still woo you to myself you are mine I paid for you when I remember the amounts that we paid in Lobola for my wife hey I'm not playing here I paid the Lord eh? I traveled places you put in because you realize this one is precious. Amen. And all, this one is, is the apple of my eye. Amen. And that's what Jesus has done for us. He has given his all. Because he says, this one cannot go to hell. He needs to be with me. Amen. She needs to be with me. Amen. They need to be free. They need to know the sweetness of being with me, I am Emmanuel, God is with us. Amen. There needs to be where I am going. Because Jesus said, I'm going to prepare. This. Because where I will be is where I also want you to be. That's love. Hallelujah. Amen. That's love. And like Pastor McDonald says, we, I'm taking you to heaven with me. So if I find that you are doing things that are wishy-wishy-washy, I will talk to you tough. I will rebuke you. Because, hey, let's go to heaven, people. I will tell you, come for prayer. I will tell you, live your life right. We will rebuke, we will correct each other. Because we need to make it to heaven. We love you. That's why. Put in all you can. Put in all you can. Because Jesus is putting in all he can. I don't know what kind of home he's building, but it's been a while. It's been a whole lot while, but I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. Oh, give me, God, give me a house by the streets. I, need, I want to see who's passing by. God does all this because of his love, and love gives. Amen. Love gives. Love doesn't give because. Love gives just because. It's a agape love. You don't give because, uh, yeah, they did this for me. They did, uh -uh, you just give. Ephesians chapter 2. As we go towards the end. Also, the things that preachers say to keep people motivated as we go towards the end. <laughs> yeah, we're still around. Sure. <laughs> No, but I mean it. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. The Bible says, And you 
he made a lion. I want you to see the love of God. He says, and you, he made a lion who were dead in trespasses and sins. The life we lived before God, I don't, I don't know what kind of life you lived before you know Jesus Christ. But as far as God is concerned, he says, in that life you were dead and in trespasses and in sins. He says, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of, of disobedience. The, 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 the Bible is basically telling us, what, what Paul is telling us is that as long as you live your life under the influence of someone else other than Jesus Christ, you are living under, according to the prince of the power of the air. And we all know who this is. By the time we get to chapter 6. It's the devil. And it's not a good way to live. The way we used to live is that we conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And we are by nature children of wrath just as the others. We live like that. We used to be like that. And yet the Bible tells us that in Romans chapter 5, that even though we were sinners, even though we were God's enemies, at that time, God sent his son Jesus Christ to redeem us from that kind of life, to redeem us from the kingdom of darkness, to bring us into the kingdom of light. Amen? That is love. That is love. Because if God wanted to start all over again, he could have. Remember what he was talking to know? Be with God. Because this generation is wicked. I'm starting all over again. And he did start over. And Noah went about doing a project in preparation for something the world had never seen. Up to this point, rain had never fallen. But he goes ahead because he knew the promises of God would come true. By the end of it, God says, I'll never destroy man like this again. I think he will do it another way. Amen. And the Bible tells us he's going to use fire. The book of Peter tells us. But all this, by the time we come to verse 4, it says, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together in Christ because by grace you have been saved. That's love. Verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Hallelujah. And the final scripture, First Peter 2, verse 9 and 10. We sang this, we sang a song on, on, on this, the best on this scripture today. And then as they were singing this song, I was like, oh, there goes my song. <laughs> but God was just confirming what he was doing. Somebody needed to hear this. If not you, then I continue to marvel in what God has done in my life. Verse 9, the Bible says, but you are a chosen generation. Hello? <laughs> Out of every, anybody God would have chosen, he chose you. He chose you. He chose you. You are a chosen generation, a whole generation of you. He chose you. You are a royal priesthood. You are royalty. You are a priesthood. 
Which means you bring to God the things that are concerning you, the people, your generation. You bring them to God. You are the priest. But you are also royalty. You are a holy nation. You are a nation that is unique. You are a nation that is set apart. You are a nation that is unlike any other. His own special people. You are his own special people. You are his own special people because you are in Christ. Amen. Why? Because he wants you to proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You should be able to praise God and say, if you only knew where God took me, Amen. you would understand. Amen. Sometimes when it looks like you're fanatically mad about Jesus, it's because you look at where God has taken you from. And now I understand when the scripture says, he who loves much. There are those who love much because of how much they have been forgiven by God. If we listen to each other's stories here, we would, we would look at each other differently. Some of you would leave church and you say, Pastor Shunga went through that as a Christian. He did what? I'm living. But when I understand... When I remember that God didn't throw me away when he should have, I say, oh, God, I'm staying. Amen. I am here. I'm not going anywhere. Because you understand where God has taken you from. Amen. When you understand the grace of God upon your life, you will not want to see delivery. Trust me. When you understand the grace of God upon your life, you will not want to pursue sin. You will hate sin and you will appreciate the love of God in your life. Amen. You are God's own special people. He took you from wherever he took you and brought you into his light. That alone makes you appreciate. Amen. When you don't have light, it is terrible. When you don't have light, especially in the dark, it's terrible. Verse 10. Who once were not a people, but are now the people of God. Who have not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. We were never a people before. But in Christ, God has made you a people. Amen. You are a somebody. Amen. You are his special ambassador. Amen. God counts on you. God is not ashamed to call you his son, his Amen. daughter. God is not ashamed. Amen. Hallelujah. Let me explain it to you this way. So the joke that uh, that was made some time ago about how I grew up in the state house because my father worked in the state house for a long time under different presidents. Now I remember when, when we were young and uh, he was pretty senior. Okay? So there were times my, my dad would, would say, come with me, just dress up and come with me and we get into his official car. And the drama started at home. Okay, I'm calling it drama because you see where this story goes. The drama started at home. I would get out of the house and uh, I would go to the car with my dad. I discovered that when I went to the car alone, the, the chauffeur was like, oh, good morning, I just get in the car and so on. But when I walked out with my dad, I got his salute. <laughs> he would open the door for both of us. And I walk in and sit down. We'll get to the 
head of state house in Zomba, and those 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 uh, the security guys, they would they would they would salute and do their thing, and my dad would wait back and acknowledge them. We'll go drive right into the state house, and and we'll go through different checkpoints. And my dad, all, all my dad had to say was, "He's with me." And I went in. Today, if I go to state house, they face the gates. They will say, "Where are you going? Do you have an appointment?" They will check you out. If you have an appointment. And if I don't check out, if there is no word that represents the one who is inviting me, or if I'm not with anybody who works there, I will not go through. So because you are God's people, there are things you can do because all you need to do is to say, ask God. I'm with him. Hello? There are things God has entrusted with us. And all we need to say is, we're with Him. And things will happen. Amen. You can share the gospel with somebody, tell them your story. And they'll say, So, why should I? You, are not, you didn't even go to the Bible school. They said, No, 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 no. I'm with Him. Amen. Somebody gets sick. I'm with Him. Pray for that. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Somebody's struggling with stuff. They're not able to sleep at night. You, you'll be able to pray and say, I'm with him. He gives sleep to those whom he loves. And you Amen. pray for them and they get sleep and say, how did that happen? I'm with him. Amen. Because when God is with you, you have everything. Amen. It may not look like that. Amen. I want to encourage somebody today. God is faithful. God is, is, is love. He wants to show these things in your life for his glory. Don't flinch back. Amen. Don't think it's humility when people say, ah, so because you pray, can you tell us? Uh, you know, somebody put a, a post on, on Facebook the other day. They, they just put two different scriptures and say, those of you who know about scripture, could you please explain what is happening here? And the scriptures looked like they were contradicting each other. Until a brother is very poor. He's, he's one of those who he will not take it lying down if you mock God. Okay? So he just wrote, he says, the problem here is that every scripture has been taken out of context. That's what he said. But he made his point so clear that the discussion stopped at some point. I wish this guy hadn't put that, that post there. I wish he hadn't. Because this guy just came and put a stop to it. But you see, when you understand the Lord God with whom you serve, there are some things you need to, to, to shut, shut up. You say, no, we're not having this. The God I know works this way. God is faithful. Amen? Amen. All I'm saying today is that God is faithful. Amen. God is loving. And he wants those things to show up in your life. If you remain Obey my teaching. If you put it into practice, God promises to show up in you in 
Amen. Amen. I I didn't I didn't say that it's a trouble-free life. I didn't say it's an easy life. Because if it was, God wouldn't be promising you that He'll be with you through the water, through the fire, when the rivers want to. But if you are with God, that makes all the difference. Hallelujah. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Our prayer is that God has spoken to your heart. Be blessed in this week.